Your million dollar remodeling efforts are probably going to go forward just fine. But the lower middle income and working levels, they're feeling the pinch. This is the one and only, the original podcast where you can find yours and your business's true value. You're listening to Our Value. Brought to you by America's insulation source, IDI Distributors. You want to hear from the best contractors, suppliers, and consultants that dedicate themselves to more than just survival in the business world? Industry professionals that are dedicated to excellence in every aspect of their business? Our Value has them all here to share that same motivation and knowledge with you. Tune in and grow a more successful, profitable, educated, and recognized business. Listen to the Our Value podcast to become the industry leader in your market. Find your value with Our Value. We have got a real treat today. One of my favorite, actually the best economist I have ever seen is with us today. We've had him at our national sales meeting several times. I've wanted to share him with you guys for a long time. But Brian Ballou has served as the CEO and chief economist of ITR Economics since 1987. This guy researches the use of business cycle analysis, economic forecasting, really for improving profitability. He shared his highly valued research via presentations, workshops, seminars to hundreds of thousands of business owners and executives over the last 40 years. He's a co-author of Prosperity in the Age of Design, but realistically, you know, this guy's been part of a leading manufacturer of power equipment, investment funds. He's on the board of Bellwether Wealth. He shared his expertise through all kinds of media outlets, USA Today, Knight Ritter, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, Washington Post, Kudlow and Friends, First on Fox, numerous others. Brian, thank you for taking the time to talk to our people today. Ken, it is my pleasure. It's great to be here. I want to start out with, because we are construction, I want to start out with per permits, sales, and interest rates and the overall health of the residential market. You guys put out something last month, and I just I thought it was very insightful. Where do you see permits and home sales, you know, along with interest rates, over the next, say, three to four years? Oh, over the next three to four years, rising. Uh, we're going to get through this uh, gully that we're going through, and it'll feel worse than a gully to some people. But we're already seeing some green shoots, Ken, in uh, in the numbers and in the trends. Uh, so we're on track, we think, for seeing this turnaround gradually in 2024. Some folks think it's going to be a more aggressive rebound. But when I look at some of the consumer trends, I don't think it's going to be aggressive. But it is going to be the trend, instead of being negative, will be mildly positive for 2024. And that should improve in 2025 and probably level off some in 2026. Well, that's a pretty good three years. You know, now, when we look six months down the road, I know we have a lot of winds blowing our direction with the Inflation Reduction Act and things like retrofit. Do you think that housing will stay soft the rest of the year or do you think the Fed might stop raising interest rates or where do you see that part? How dear Federal Reserve, aren't they so much fun? Uh, they're likely to push interest rates or have had pushed interest rates up in July. Um, and then they may, they should be dead. Let me put it that way. They may go one more time um, just because they're, they're trying to do the impossible, Ken. They're trying to bring down the cost of labor in a time when we still have a shortage of experienced, qualified labor. They're trying to drive down the price. And that means they will knowingly uh, hurt the economy if that is their adamant goal. 
And if they're really adhering to their mandate, their mandate is uh, low inflation, full employment. Well, the consumer price index is down to 3.0% with the June data. And it's, it is tracking lower and lower. And it's this overall consumer price index is going to reach their vaunted goal of 2 to 2.5%. Two they're focused on the core CPI. And what's odd about that is the Fed used to watch the core CPI because food and fuel would always run harder than the rest of the economy. And therefore, they wanted to help the everyday person, but acknowledge that they couldn't do much about food and fuel prices. Well, you know, when the overall CPI is down, including food and fuel, the everyday person is feeling better, right? Where the lease is not as hurting as they were before. Real incomes are still going up, which is great for the housing market. So instead of focusing on labor costs, which means people are bringing home the bacon, it does take care of their families. Why not just focus on the inflation as it impacts the everyday Joe out there? But so far, they've given no indication of doing that outside of the Atlanta Federal Reserve president. All of which is probably a longer answer than you wanted, but we think that they will be done rise, raising interest rates. Um, if not in July and September, this should be done. It, it should be obvious even to them. And I say that in a rather disparaging way because none of them have had anything but academic and political jobs. They don't know what it's like in the business world and in the world you and I live in. And they have said that they intend to lower interest rates in 2024 and again in 2025. They may or may not. 50% of the time the Fed talks, they're lying. So it's hard to know exactly what's going on there. <laughs> but uh, if they follow through with that and they lower interest rates in 2024, that'll help with the mortgage rates also, clearly. And that'll be part of what helps housing gather a little bit more steam. We've got a goal from the Fed to retrofit 110 million houses between now and the year 2050. And unfortunately, it takes about four times as long to retrofit a house as it does to insulate a brand new one. So when you say that they're trying to lower wages in order to control inflation, I just don't see how that can happen when you're that short on you know it's supply and demand i don't see how we can get wages down and get people into the trades which is exactly what we have to do that is exactly what we have to do and you want to know a way to get some people into the trades stop with the student loans <laughs> you're going to make me very unpopular Brian. <laughs> <laughs> this shortage on housing inventory versus population. How do you see that play into all of this? Uh, two things. Um, because of the cost of housing and between the cost and the income levels, there's a great deal of disparity from one state to the next. This overall size of new homes is probably going to go down. But, you know, we, we saw our entry level homes essentially go away right during that 20 year period of very low interest rates well they're going to have to come back that's the only way people are going to young people are, are going to be able to afford to get into the housing market and get going on that track and the other ramification is we think uh, multifamily housing is going to continue to do very well because people are going to have a hard time uh, getting into their homes uh, because of the inventory and because of affordability now, when you say multifamily, are you saying multifamily for purchase or do you believe the rental market is still going to be the stronger side of that? 
Oh, both. Uh, rental market is going to be a strong side of the housing market, but we've been advocating to uh, investors who want to listen to us that uh, if you don't already have some of that multifamily rental market as part of your portfolio, uh, talk to your financial planner. You really should have some of that in your portfolio. Really, for the next eight years, it should be part of your portfolio. Good advice. Now, possible factors that may change what we're talking about. Do you see any, you know, horizon events or things that may change what we're seeing in the trends you're talking about? In the time period that we're talking about, the only thing that com would come to mind would be uh, an escalation of the war on Ukraine. Uh, you never know what volatile people are going to do, right? It always makes me nervous. And the other side of it is uh, China. Uh, China could not militarily take us on right now. Um, anybody who says otherwise is just propagating fear rather than looking at numbers. Uh, but by 2026, they'll be closer. And the Chinese are losing their economic might rapidly. Um, they're currently number two. They're going to stay number two for the long time. But that, any hope they had of catching the United States is now in the dust. It's never going to happen for them. So that's going to make them more militaristic, more bombastic. And that could lead to, um, I don't know whether it's the Spratly Islands or Taiwan or, or what. But Brother Allen, whom many of the listeners know, recently did a study on Hong Kong. And since the Chinese have gotten back into Hong Kong, not officially, but realistically, pragmatically, Hong Kong has stagnated and has lost all of its ability to grow, which is a nice microcosm of what communism and socialism can do to, uh, to a country. So my point is we start play out with Russia. When you're used to having an economy that's growing, that's important, and it no longer is, you become much more militaristic. And uh, that's of concern because that can always disrupt trends. Now, do you see any trends more specific by region over the next couple of years here in the U.S.? You know, we follow the demographics all the time, right? So there are some states, and it's not really a region, but there are some states that are just losing people every year, California being one of them. Uh, personally, I wouldn't be making much in the way of investments in real estate in California because their population is going down at the rate of about 1% um, over the last four years. And 40 out of 40 percent of the people in California said they want to move out of California. So that's not a real strong endorsement for buying property in California. And West Virginia, Illinois, Mississippi, Louisiana, they're the same way. Uh, people are just leaving there. Uh, so you stay away from there. You go to the Carolinas, Texas, Nevada, Utah. Even, you know, the former poster child of growth, uh, Oregon and Washington. Because of the high cost of living and because of certain other social elements, they're having trouble attracting people also. Um, the fastest growing state in the Union is Idaho. But, I mean... Figure that you got to know your math, right? I mean, know the denominator. Five families a year moving to Idaho. That's explosive growth. So, <laughs> <laughs> we've got this population that is now starting to have kids. Average age being about thirty-three now. I just figure if the rates go down, these guys are all gonna 
be ready to go if, to your point, if the housing sizes come down to the point where they can buy. But also, I've looked at Ohio where you've got all these server farms going in and Facebook going in there, and that would be a new kind of market. So I was just wondering what you guys see in those terms. We see them because we're sending insulation there. Sure. So. Well, think about where they're building the uh, chip fab plants, too. There's an awful lot of people that get employed uh, ancillarily, not only in the plant, but supporting all of that activity. So those are going to be some hot pockets, and that's pretty easy to track based on the uh, infrastructure build, which is a whole different economic story, but it is good. Remodeling remains very catchy, Ken. Uh, some states are doing really well. I mean, they're, we call them in the green. They're, they're running well above year-ago levels. Um, and that's really smattered all over the country. Only a handful of states are running negative trends right now, New Hampshire being one of them, but New York, Arizona, Nebraska, those are the more notable states that are running negative trends uh, when it comes to uh, remodeling. But even there, my there's two words of caution, and this also applies to uh, new homes and used homes. We're, we're dealing with a bifurcated economy. This, this recession that we're heading into and the pain caused by higher interest rates and higher inflation, the upper middle income and the two percenters, they shrug this off. This has nothing to do with, with them. So your million dollar remodeling efforts are probably going to go forward just fine. But the lower middle income and working levels, um, they're feeling the pinch and they're likely to hold off on the remodeling. So the smaller remodeling jobs are probably going to be the ones that put it on hold. So if I'm in that space, I'm really looking for the big, big projects. I'm not spending a whole lot of time bidding out the smallest stuff. And compounding that is... We've developed a series at ITR, a time series that looks at savings account balances for individuals adjusted for inflation. And that has at best leveled off, it's actually declining slightly, which means if people don't see their savings accounts getting better, they may become even more reluctant to make a large purchase. And remodeling clearly is going to come under the heading of a large purchase. So with that bottom end of the remodeling base tailing back, do you see that having any impact on construction material pricing? Because I know- Oh, we're, sure. You do? Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, and we're already seeing it uh, in various and sundry aspects, and it's going to broaden out. What's helping to keep the construction material costs high right now is non-residential construction continues to do very well. But non-res is going through its, the peak of its cycle right now. And we're already seeing some pain points develop in non-res. So as they, that sector cools off, those commonalities and materials, uh, those prices are going to see appreciable easing is a good way to put it. When you consider you know, the material pricing coming down, do you think that's also going to help feed maybe that mid-level? You know, a lot of our guys are in spray foam and you know, insulations that are a little more expensive, but also create this health benefit kind of thing. They've, they've got a lot of good sales impact, we'll call it. Sure. Do you see that combined with these rebates as you know, fuel going forward? as well as the price coming down. Sure, I see it as favorable. Fuel, you know, I, I love sitting around campfires in my backyard. Fuel to me could be kindling or it could be logs that I placed on once there's a decent fire going. So um, 
Right now, it looks more like kindling to uh, medium-sized chunks of wood, and we'll see if it has to turn into a nice blazing fire. Now, resources that you guys have for our contractors, I know you do newsletters. Um, do you want to talk about your podcasts or outlets or newsletters that you guys offer? You know, Can they come on and sign up? And you Yeah, know? they can go on our website, ITR Economics, and sign up. Uh, we have a program called... Uh, insider members um, and it's twenty dollars a month and you get to attend uh you get a monthly newsletter you get i'll uh, get some webinars over the course of the year um and obviously uh, anybody even non-members have access to our free podcast and our free trends talks and they're all available online what i right now because of this federal reserve what i've been doing ken for the last oh my gosh it probably three, four months now is every Friday, I'm going to be recording when as soon as we're done here, I do a Fed watch. It's on YouTube. So ITR Economics YouTube, it's free. Um, I make sure that typically they last three to five minutes because everybody's busy, but I'll tell you what's going on with the Fed and what it's going to mean uh, to the economy at large. And I, and they're the most confusing part of our world right now. So we've been running this three to five minute YouTube out there for people. I like it. Now, in a more granular level, you know, all of these guys, obviously, well, I shouldn't say all of them, but the vast majority of contractors that work for, we'll call it new construction builders, are always wanting to share tidbits, information, be the insightful guy. Uh, any news or things that you would say would be wise to share with their builders or clients? We are very concerned that this market based on the profitability corporate profitability trend is not sustainable and it is heading into another downturn that'll range between 18 and 40 percent decline and when that happens that sort of magnitude of decline makes people hesitate uh, to buy a home hesitate to make any large expenditures even the high ending modeling so that's just something to be careful about if you're if you, you know, I talk about the green shoots, consumers in good shape financially in terms of the debt service level, mortgage debt is very easily handled. Even the student loan debt is not nearly the issue that the politicians make it out to be. My big fear for the next six months to eight months would be that stock market come tumbling down and scaring the daylights out of people. That'll just make a freeze happen. The demand is still going to be out there. And that's the point to stress. The fundamentals are still out there, but... Uh, where market comes down like that, uh, it just makes people pause before they move forward with their plans. I'm glad you call it a pause because that's that it gives you a different perspective. It's not like the sky fell. It's mm -hmm. like everybody needs to, you know, take their volume would be the 70s term. Now it would be, you know, <laughs> chill. <laughs> yeah. We'll go to Colorado and have a puff, but <laughs> <laughs> there's another economic sector. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in closing, any uh, best advice for their own investments, real estate ventures? I know you said uh, absolutely multifamily, but uh, or even in building their company value. If you're like me and I'm in my mid 60s and therefore part of that end of the boomers, if you don't have a very strong team behind you that can run the show without you, then your business valuation is not going to be there. 
you've got to have that in place or else you're owning a lifestyle business. That's all. I love that. It's, you know, the ability to have somebody cover what you're not there for as you decide you've got short timer syndrome is critical, critical, critical. And anybody who's coming to buy your business is going to be looking for that. And if you don't have that, then you're just going to be shutting down your business or selling it to people that are already in the business. And that's a lot less money, you know, a lot more risk to the seller in a lot of circumstances. The only other thing along those lines is I recently reviewed for two of my kids that aren't working with me at ITR, their retirement programs. And both their companies have them in these archaic 401k programs that rely on mutual funds. So my message to you is if you're getting a statement about your retirement program and there are mutual funds included, there's about an 80% probability that you're not making as much in your retirement fund as you could. And the only person really getting rich is the person who sold you that fund. So uh, talk to your financial planner about beefing up that plan. Is there anything you see in the labor market that may create winds blowing our direction? You know, obviously it's painful to get people into the trades. And I, I try and tell them you'd sleep better at night if you work harder instead of sitting at a desk. But, you know, no knock on sitting at a desk, but. I tell them you'll, you'll be in a house that much sooner and you'll have that boat that much sooner if you don't have that student loan hanging over your head. That's a fair statement. Demographically speaking, until we get a business-oriented immigration program here in the United States, something that makes sense to business people, not the politicians, we're not going to have the labor that we need. That's the long and the short of it. And in states like California, you're asking about regional issues. Uh, Their new immigration bill in Florida under DeSantis, the businesses are, what are you doing to us? You just told all of our immigrant people to be afraid and to get out of the state. And they are, they're going to Georgia, they're going to the Carolinas, they are leaving Florida because the governor has said, and the legislature has said, if a hospital treats you and you're not here legally, the hospital will lose all of its funding. All of its state funding is now gone. No hospital is gonna risk that, right? This isn't stereotyping, the ethnic community frequently tag tabs into or ties into the medical community. That's just part of how they run, right? So they're scared uh, and the hospitals are scared and businesses are scared. I think it's gonna be harder for people in Florida to find labor than in some other states, probably getting a little easier in Georgia, as a matter of fact, than uh, the Carolinas. Well, Brian, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. And for all of you out there, I really hope you jump online, check out ITR. They really do a great job. They care about what they do and they are dialed in to the economic factors, the indicators. And as you can tell by listening to Brian, they don't really sugarcoat. (laughs) What can I say, Ken? I have no life.